Good morning, everyone. It's my pleasure and my joy to worship with you this morning and my privilege to open God's Word for you now. Last Sunday was a very special Sunday for us as a church. Um, those of you who don't know, last Sunday we appointed Dumi and Lovu and Shlanshla and Korsi as elders, as pastors here at the church to serve alongside me. And we thank God for His kindness in gifting us with these godly, faithful, capable men. We we're blessed to have Pastor Andre DeVitt from Living Hope Ascending Church. He was here with us and he preached for us last week. And to have uh, him and Akani Funwani, one of the other elders from Living Hope Church, to have them join in, in affirming Dumi and Nshlanshla as elders, and to confirm that now that we have a plurality of elders here at Pretoria West Bible Church, we are, um, we are an independent church. We are, uh, we're, we are an adult now, standing on our own two feet, uh, out from under the authority of our sending church. And that, of course, doesn't mean that we are uh, lone rangers. We're a part of the broader, universal uh, body of Christ, the, the church, which is worldwide. And we will continue to lean on and be supported by and be encouraged by and partner together with other local churches. But uh, in God's kindness, he's brought us to the place now where we are an adult independent church uh, on our own two feet. And next Sunday, my family and I will visit Living Hope, which will give me an opportunity then to express our love to them and our appreciation for the sacrifice they made in sending out a core group of 15 of their members, um, February 20, well, what was last year? Last year, February, there we go. Uh, 2022, they sent out 15 of their members. And, uh, and over and beyond that, they've been praying for us, they've been preaching for us. I've been meeting with their elders monthly. Um, I've been getting a lot of input and counsel from them. They've been walking with us uh, all the way. And so we're, we're very grateful to them, appreciative of uh, that partnership in the gospel. But, right, even as I'm away next week, Pretoria West Bible Church will be gathering for worship under the capable oversight of Pastor Dumi and Pastor Nishlashla. So, alright, we are continuing today in the Gospel of Mark. We've been working our way through this book in the New Testament of our Bibles, section by section, and today we are in Mark chapter 4, verses 26 to 32. And what, what have we been seeing? We've been seeing that Jesus is preaching far and wide. He's announcing the kingdom of God has arrived. And why has it arrived? It's arrived because he, the king, is here. He's been doing a variety of undeniable miracles. And those miracles have been blessing people, certainly. They've been meeting temporary practical needs. Uh, he's been healing diseases. He's been helping people who've been afflicted by demons. 
But those miracles are doing more. They're also serving to authenticate his message. He really is the Messiah. He really is the Son of God, the King. And his miracles are helping to prove it. And there's been massive crowds, right? Massive crowds coming to Jesus. And several times we've seen that they're pressing in around him in such a way that he, he, his movement is restricted. He's even had to preach from a boat to, to get some distance between him and the crowds. But they're not all coming to him for the right reasons. This, this isn't all a good thing. Some are coming for his miracles, period. They're not really interested in him. They're just seeking healing. They're just seeking deliverance from demonic oppression. Others are coming for the spectacle, right? I mean, this is the news of the day. Everybody's been talking about Jesus. Well, now Jesus is, he's here. Can you go see him in person? Can you see him do some miracles? Right? And some are coming, as we've been saying, to oppose Jesus, to challenge his teaching, to find fault in what he says or does, and to try and get him in trouble with the religious authorities. Right? And so all of that is difficult. All of that could be reason to be discouraged. All of that could be reason to be concerned. That opposition is growing. What's going to happen? And there are undeniably some coming to him who truly have ears to hear. They're coming to him in humility and faith, embracing who he is and submitting themselves to the authority of his teaching, eager to learn from him and obey him and follow him. Throughout chapter 4, we've been seeing Jesus teaching in parables. And we've seen that parables are stories about everyday events, everyday life, that communicate deeper spiritual truth. And parables serve both to conceal or obscure what Jesus is teaching, right? For one group of people, for, for those who aren't truly interested in him, for those who aren't truly seeking out what he has to teach. And then at the same time, Jesus is teaching those who are coming to him with ears to hear. He's helping them through these parables. They have to put in the hard work. They have to really listen. They have to really think. Oftentimes they have to come back to him with questions. He's helping them come to a deeper level of understanding. Those that come to him in humility and faith with an eagerness to learn. And one of the parables we've seen already in this chapter is the parable of the sower. And today, interestingly enough, we'll be looking at two more parables that also have to do with seeds and agriculture. First off, let's look at Mark 4, verse 26. And he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself 
First the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. Now verse 26 makes clear that this is a parable about the kingdom of God. And what is the kingdom of God like? Well, it's like this farming scenario. The farmer scatters seed. Right? That's the spreading of God's word. That's the spreading of the good news about Jesus. But then from that point on, all the farmer does is just go about life and wait. He sleeps and rises night and day. And that might sound backwards to us. Why, why are we starting with him sleeping and then him rising? But that just reflects the Jewish practice of that time where the way they thought about um, the beginning and end of a day was that a day began at sunset. Okay. So you sleep and you rise night and day. Just continue on with life as normal. But then as the farmer goes about life, what happens? The seed sprouts and grows. It sprouts and grows. And it has nothing to do with him. He's been sleeping. Verse 27 says he doesn't know how it happens. It just does. Nothing to do with him. Verse 28 rather emphasizes this point further. The earth produces by itself. In the Greek word used here, that is the, the Greek that this is translated from, is the, word where we, is, the, is the Greek word we get the English word automatic from. The earth just does this automatically without human intervention. The seed just grows on its own. And the seed doesn't grow from seed to ready for harvest all in one night. It's growing and it's growing steadily. There's stages of growth though. First the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. Stages of growth. But it all happens on its own. First this step, then the next step, then the next. The farmer sows the seed. And then the rest happens on its own. Steadily, step by step. Until one day the farmer walks through the fields and realizes, Aha! My crop is ready. The seed I planted has grown to full maturity. The grain is ripe. It's ready for harvest. Now last year, my family grew some sunflowers in our garden. And uh, I did a little bit of research beforehand on how to grow them. And uh, I found that the video was basically was very, very basic. <laughs> Essentially it said, put the sunflower in the soil, and then that was it, right? Done. Put the seed in the ground. <laughs> and I remember thinking, and? What else was I do? Is that really all there is? Just put the seed in the soil. And it took a while, right? It took a while for anything to happen. Um, I was wondering for a little bit, maybe, maybe there actually was more to this. Maybe it wasn't as simple as just put the seed in the soil. I put the seed in the soil and a couple days later and I still don't see anything. What's happening? Well, you know the saying, right? That a watch pot never boils. 
well, a watched seed never sprouts, right? That's, I mean, it does, of course, but not on your timing, not on your timing. For a while, there's nothing to see. But then you walk past one day and you see a little sprout. You see two little leaves just broken, just, just it's broken the ground, broken the surface, just above the ground. And so you're encouraged by that. You go about life. And then a couple days later, you notice, hey, these plants are, are getting taller. They're growing. I remember when they first got, they first started getting taller than my daughter, Renee. And uh, we were really amazed. We we're like, wow, these things are getting big. You know, again, right? All we did is stick the seeds in the soil. And they go, hey, it's taller than you, Nene. Look at it. They're growing. They just keep growing. And they kept growing and kept growing. And eventually they got to the point where at least some of them were taller than me. And they all produced sunflowers. And some of them huge ones. Like I'm talking like as big as a dinner plate. And those flowers then produced hundreds and hundreds of sunflower seeds. Hundreds and hundreds of sunflower seeds. The farmer sows the seed. And he goes about life. And the seed grows on its own. Step by step, step by step. All the way to maturity. And then the day arrives where he gets to enjoy the reward of all that growth. He gets to enjoy the fruit of the crop. Even though he, right, has actually, has actually had nothing to do with the growth itself at all. Magic. Not really. Not magic. Right? But miraculous, if we think about it, honestly. Right? Miraculous. Supernatural. It's something that we can't truly explain even today, even with all our advanced science. All our study of seeds under microscopes and all these new scientific discoveries of DNA and this and that and the next thing. Sure, I mean, we can, we can explain what happens scientifically, technically, but not really. I mean, not really, like got this little seed and in this seed in this little seed is so much potential power life it should boggle our brains I just put this thing in the ground and then it's just gonna grow on its own that's amazing we're used to it now we expect that to happen but it is amazing. So, what are the lessons to learn here about the kingdom of God? About gospel ministry? About God's outworking of his purposes? Well, first of all, it's important for us to realize, right? You are not the one who causes the growth. You're not the one who causes the growth. Therefore, right? It makes sense that we give glory to God. We give glory to God. Whether we're excited about how our church is growing, how our GC is growing, how many people we've invited to church have come, 
How many people we've shared the gospel with have responded uh, with more interest in the Lord. I mean, those things are encouraging and that's great. But let's be careful to remind ourselves, right? It's God who's doing it. It's God who grows and God who brings the increase. It's not you. It's not me. 1 Corinthians 3.5 says, What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you have believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. Listen, pay attention. Neither he who plants or he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. We're so tempted to pride. We're so tempted to self-reliance. It's God who brings the growth and God must get the glory. Another application, of course, of this is that we should depend on God. If it's him who brings the growth and not me, I should be depending on him in prayer. Unless God brings about the growth, it's not going to happen. Let's pray, pray, pray. Yes, I shared the gospel with this person. Yes, I left this person with a gospel tract. Yes, this person visited church. God, be at work in their lives, please. May the seeds that have been planted, may they grow. And you are the one who brings the growth. So please, God, do it. I can't do it. Another application is that we need to do what we can do, right? Do what you can do in this whole process. And realize there's only so much that you can do. Okay? Be faithful to sow seeds. Be faithful to share the gospel with others. Be faithful to invite people to church. That's all the farmer can do. But he must do that. That's the way God's designed it. The word must be shared. The seed must be sowed. The New Testament is very clear that Christians are called to be ambassadors of Christ, to represent Jesus to the world. We're called to share the gospel and call sinners to be reconciled to God through Jesus and what he's done on the cross. We need to tell people, you are a sinner and you're not right with God, but there is a way that you can be right with God. Jesus died on the cross to take the penalty our sins deserve. Embrace him as your savior and you will be saved. We need to communicate that message. We need to communicate it far and wide. It also then doesn't make sense for us to try to force or manipulate things. Right? We're not going to be more successful in our evangelism by being very clever. Right? We're not going to be more successful in our mission by impressing people. We don't need to have a bigger band. We don't need to have music video level 
choreography, right? I'm not saying those things are wrong necessarily, right? But we don't need those things. We don't need John MacArthur or Paul Washer or John Piper or Conrad and Bearway preaching from this pulpit. It'd be nice, right? Praise God for the gifts he's given those men. But the power is in the gospel itself, right? Not the level of gifting, not the level of polish. We certainly don't need to be flashy or fancy or funny or cool, thankfully. We just need to communicate God's word faithfully. We need to sow the seed. That's interesting. Yeah, there's a number of places in the Bible where the, 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 your ability to not be anxious is seen in your ability to be able to just lie down and go to sleep. Okay? Just go down, lie down and go to sleep. You don't need to stay up all night stressing about stuff. And you notice this farmer, he sows the seed and he goes to sleep. Right? Goes to sleep. He's confident that the seed is going to grow. He's confident that he's done what he needs to do and there's nothing more for him to do. And so in light of this, even as we're thinking about the Great Commission and evangelism and church planting and, and trying to take the gospel forward, there's a massive need for the gospel to spread. And there's some strong opposition against the gospel. There's lots of false teaching out there. Lots of challenges. Just as the opposition against Jesus here in Mark was great. And getting greater. Right? But, once we've been faithful to sow the seed, to communicate the truth of the gospel, we can rest knowing we've done everything there is for us to do. Right? It's out of our hands. God's got this. We should be confident that God will bring growth. We should anticipate growth. Remember when we looked at the parable of the sower a few weeks ago, right? Three quarters of the seed sown doesn't respond or doesn't respond for very well, for very long. And then it falls away. Three quarters. But the one quarter that does respond, right? The return, the increase is 30, 60, 100 fold. There's lots that can be discouraging. And it, and it is discouraging. So here's the thing, right? It is good and right. It's good and right for us to be heavy hearted when people reject Jesus. It's good and right for us to be heartbroken when people we thought were responding to Jesus in faith turn away from him. But we need a guard against getting cynical. We need a guard against thinking, okay, well, if this person's rejected the gospel, how can I share the gospel with this person? Because this person really seems set in their ways. This person really seems like they will, they'll never want anything to do with Jesus ever. So why should I even try? 
Sow the seed. Keep sowing the seed. Trust that God will bring an increase. See, the farmer, I said that there's only so much you can do, right? So you go to sleep at night knowing I've done what I need to do. Go to sleep at night, right? But there's more to it than that. It's not just I can go to sleep at night because I know my job is done. It's I can go to sleep at night because I'm full of optimism. I'm not cynical. I trust that the seed that has been sown, at least some of it, will produce fruits. At least some of it will grow. God will use at least some of those seeds sown to save people. To bring spiritually dead people to spiritual life. God will work. And we can be patient, right? It's oftentimes not going to happen on the timing we want. I want this to happen overnight. No, it'll happen in God's timing. But God will accomplish His purposes. He will advance the gospel. He will build His kingdom. He will work. Now, let's look at verse 30. This is now the parable of the mustard seed. And he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? It's like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet, when it is sown, it grows up and it becomes larger than all the garden plants. And it puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. Now we see clearly from verse 30, this parable is also about the kingdom of God. And what does it compare the kingdom of God to? Well, it compares it to how this tiny little mustard seed grows into a sizable plant. Now, how, how big is a mustard seed? Well, it's, one, it's between one and two millimeters in diameter. It's about the size of a poppy seed. You know, so if you get a lemon and poppy seed muffin, those tiny little, tiny little black specks on that muffin, right? It's smaller than sesame seeds. You know, if you get a, a, a if you go to Wimpy or something, those get a slightly fancier hamburger roll with the little sesame seeds on it. A sesame seed, um, those seeds are two millimeters wide and three to four millimeters long. So that means that this mustard seed we're talking about is, is its diameter is only as wide as that sesame seed or, or half the length of that sesame seed. Tiny, tiny. And the point here is not hard and hard hardcore out and out science right the mustard seed isn't the tiniest seed on planet earth but it was the smallest seed commonly used for gardening in those days and so proverbially right just as an expression used by people in those days if you're referring to something very 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 small right you would refer to it as being as small as a mustard seed 
So now if I was to line up a variety of garden seeds and say to my kids, okay, kids, pick the seed that you think is going to make the biggest plant. Pick the seed that you think is going to grow into the biggest plant. Now I pick a sunflower seed or a pumpkin seed or maybe a butternut or gem squash seed, right? Or even maybe even like a mealy seed, right? Those are all much, much bigger than this tiny little speck of a seed we've been talking about. But a mustard plant will become much bigger than a pumpkin or butternut or gem squash plant. It will become as tall as the sunflower or mealy, taller than me, but also much, much wider than those plants with branches, right? Not just tall and skinny, but branching out. And even as, a, as we see here in the parable, putting out branches that birds can roost in and nest in. It defies expectations. You look at this tiny little seed, and you never anticipate that it's going to be that plant. The kingdom, says Jesus, is like what happens with a mustard seed. It seems so small and insignificant, but in the end, it ends up blowing you away with what it becomes. You never saw that coming. No way, really? We need to remember the mustard seed. We need to anticipate God doing surprising things. Now, we've emphasized this in other sermons fairly recently, but it's worth emphasizing again. Brothers and sisters, here we are at the tip of Africa, gathering to celebrate and enjoy and worship a man who was crucified almost 2,000 years ago in Israel. And right here today, we've got Zulus and Tsongas, Swanas and Colored, Swatis and Sutus, Vendors and Petties, and a white guy, right? And we're all here because of this Jewish man who lived and died 2,000 years ago. Seriously? You're giving up your Sunday morning for somebody who lived half the world away 2,000 years ago who never lived to reach 35. Seriously? That's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. And guess what? Sunday morning, around the entire world, there's people doing the same thing. Worshiping Jesus. Singing praises to Him. And when the story we're living in comes to a close, right? Revelation 5 tells us that, that there will be people from every, every tribe and tongue and people and nation gathered around the throne of God, praising Him for Jesus and the salvation He purchased for us on the cross. From a few true disciples in Israel to followers from every little corner around the world, so now, as we sit here, right, about 40-odd adults or so, meeting in a school hall, if I told you that I would love for us 
not just to grow as a church here in Pretoria West, but also to aim to plant churches in Kharankuwe, in Soshenguwe, in Attridgeville, at least. Maybe also other Pretoria area townships, Mabopani, Lotus Gardens, etc., etc., right? What would you think, right? You imagine at least some of you would be thinking, yeah, <laughs> you know, with what army, right? With what resources? We're just a handful of people. How's this going to happen? Now, don't hear me wrong, right? I'm not saying that God has given us some promise that everything we dream up and pursue for the advance of his kingdom will succeed. I'm not saying that at all. But we do know that the gospel contains the power of God for salvation. That little seed is full of power, full of life. And if we're faithful to just sow the seed of the gospel, God will save some. We sow the seed and God does the work. He will bring life and growth that we don't understand and that we never could have brought about ourselves, that we never could have anticipated. And so, yes, we might be young and small and unimpressive and far from rich in resources. But remember the mustard seed. Remember the mustard seed. It didn't look, mustard seed doesn't look like it has much potential either. Maybe, maybe we'll find that we'll be blown away at what God does through our little church, through our very humble and ordinary and unimpressive beginnings. Right? Just like that mustard seed. William Carey, a missionary to India, famous missionary to India, he said this, he said, expect great things from God. Right? Expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. Right? The reason we attempt great things for God is because we know He is able. He's able to take our very unimpressive efforts, right? He's able to take a little mustard seed and boom, a very impressive plant that nobody could have anticipated. God's able to do that. So therefore, right, share the gospel. Share the gospel with the person who, you know, hates Christianity. Invite people to church, even people who've said no to you a dozen times. Hand out flyers. You know, flyers are a great example, hey? I mean, it's simple. You're going house to house, you're just putting these flyers in mailboxes, right? And we've handed out hundreds of those things. Have we got hundreds of people coming back? No, we haven't. But we have got some. Okay? We have got some. They're not here today, but Moses and Edith, that's how they came to us. Sal Dile came to us. And then Moses and Edith also brought their grandson, Chosi. Right? Amongst others, right? You sow. You get the word out there. 
and then see God work. See God work. So remember, God is the one who brings growth. But it does bring growth. So let's be faithful to share His word. And let's anticipate Him working and working in even very surprising ways. Amen? Yeah. Thank you.